Blog Talk Radio. Listen to their struggles as they turn them into triumphs. In a city full of challenges, they only search for victory, and nothing will hold them back. These are their stories. So sit back, relax, and welcome to their city. Wrestle City Radio. Radio anymore. This is now the Laws Radio. They've paid me so much. This is now my show. Wait, 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 wait. Is this what I get for being late, like two minutes to the studio? That you think this is? Damn it! I thought I locked the door. Really, Ray? Really? This is what I get, man. I was just in the next room. Okay, I was literally in the next room doing my punch card, and you told me, and I quote, I got this, George. I got this. I promise. And basically, I come back, and I see this. Really? Come you on. moved it up an hour, so it's my show. The long uh, time is running. Well, <laughs> listen. Yes, we're paying you enough, but this is not your show. This is the people's show. These are the pro wrestlers' shows. This is not your show. So, guys, welcome to another edition of Wrestle City Radio. We have our passports ready. We have our tickets ready. And we are now in their city with their permission. And what a great person we're going to be talking to in their city today, in their local resident, in former TNA superstar and wrestling veteran in the natural Chase Stevens will be here on the show. So, basically, guys, we cannot wait to speak with him. But, Ray, we also have some great topics to talk about, too. We also have to, we have plenty to speak on when it comes to also UFC and Brock Lesnar. And, of course, we also have to talk about the WWE United Kingdom, uh, you know. Yep. A lot of news to talk about today, so. Let's start the ball rolling, George. What do you want to talk about first? Well, let's go ahead and start talking about the one thing that's being talked about the most right now, and that is, is Brock Lesnar going back to the UFC? Mm-hmm. Personally, oh, gosh. Yeah, personally, guys, I see it happening. I do see Brock Lesnar going back to the UFC. He's already mentioned that after this coming WrestleMania, this will be his final appearance at WrestleMania. Uh, so I do see that kind of stuff happening. I do see that, you know, Brock Lesnar going back to the UFC. And uh, now, here's the thing, though. Uh, when it comes to UFC and, of course, Brock Lesnar, will he fight John Jones? Even though John Jones has sent out a challenge to fight Brock Lesnar. That is a 40-pound difference. 
if John Jones raises himself to 40 pounds or Brock Lesnar loses 40 pounds, that's a huge weight difference. Now, can John Jones handle a 40-pound increase or can Brock Lesnar handle a 40-pound decrease? I don't think neither one can, but personally, you know, never say never in the UFC. Hmm. Well, these are my thoughts. One on the question of weight. Brock Lesnar definitely could handle it because he's done it in the WWE capacity. Because you've never seen him slouch to a guy that's smaller and is faster. Now, this is my take on will this fight happen? If the UFC signs this fight to happen, I call them the biggest work that ever happened. Because at least WWE admits they are sports entertainment. So they do it for the spectacle. They do it for the fans and the entertainment. UFC is supposed to be the ultimate fighting championship. It's supposed to be real shoot fighting with mixed martial arts. Why the hell would they go to a fight that's going to be just for the spectacle of it? Sorry. Having a guy that's supposedly suspended for two years because of a drug test. So if you're telling me that a year ago, around SummerSlam time, oh, Brock Lesnar may never fight in the UFC again. Now, John Jones brings up the challenge. UFC sees dollar signs. Oh, let's bring him back and have the fight happen. Uh, see President Dana White. When the idea of the Mayweather fight occurred, he said, oh, I'm not about the money. I'm just wanting to put on best fight. So if you're going to do that, don't do this fight because UFC is supposed to be best fight. This isn't a good fight if you're talking about a guy that had to use steroids to beat Mark Hunt. I'm sorry, but to me, this fight shouldn't happen. Well, but again, that's uh, right. That's if, if it's John Jones. Again, 40 pounds is a huge difference. It's not like, hey, I'm cutting 10 pounds or I'm gaining 10 pounds. It's 40 pounds. I don't see Brock Lesnar losing 40 pounds. I don't, I don't think that guy could cut weight like that. Now, John Jones, I could see him gaining the 40, but it's not going to be from one day to the next. And the question is, can his body handle the big difference? Because he's been in that division for so long, so that's the it, thing. We're 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 saying this like it's next month, George. That's the thing. It's a six months difference usually for UFC fights. So I can see either of the guys deciding to either cut the weight or gain it. The thing is, John Jones isn't like a GSK. George St. Pierre gained a little bit of weight to change divisions. Now GSK was planning this. It wasn't just a one day, oh, you know what? I'm going to challenge the biggest guy in that division. Chuck Liddell, I'm coming for you. No, he didn't do that. He knew that he was going to start transitioning and start to gain the weight and start training a little harder. John Jones, he's another guy that thinks he's a big shot. And he says, you know what? Let me challenge Brock Lesnar because he's in the WWE right now. He's not going to answer my question so quick, my challenge so quickly because he's a WWE champion. What does Brock Lesnar do the next night? Sends out a tweet. Be careful what you ask for, young man. So now that brings money into this. So again, to me, I don't think it should happen, but hey, I guess money talks, and let's see what happens in six months from now. Well, mind you, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens in six months, a year, two years. Uh, Right now, I'll tell you this much also. Uh, one thing that's also sparking up a lot of controversy when it comes to wrestling and UFC, obviously, is Chris Cyborg issuing a challenge to Becky Lynch for SummerSlam. And, uh, mm. and, and mind you, 
Chris Cyborg went as far as telling Triple H, I want Becky Lynch at SummerSlam. You know, and, and she, Chris Cyborg is, is going for it. And Becky Lynch seems like she's all game because she did yeah, tweet she out. She even responded, yeah. yeah. She tweeted out. She tweeted back to Chris Cyborg saying that she's if she wants part of the Red Fury, by all means, that she's game two. Now the question is, will we see it happen at SummerSlam? Because a lot of people are actually saying that they rather have Ronda Rousey be that person to cross over to the WWE over Chris Cyborg. So, and I can't blame the fans because Ronda is an. Mm. So, hello. Okay, I can okay. hear you now, George. Sorry, the connection right. is going away. I'm not sure what's happening to your mic. This is why I okay. told you this is my show. You came uh, late. You didn't even set up your mic. God damn it. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is, is this. <laughs> the the point is this. Uh, of course, uh, Mr. Ray Ramundo. Are we going to see this fight at SummerSlam, Becky Lynch and Chris Cyborg, or do you rather just wait to run the Rousey? That's the thing. If Chris Cyborg has been preparing, then I'm all game for this to happen. I wouldn't mind seeing Cyborg versus Becky Lynch. Luckily, I'm going to be at SummerSlam, so I'll get to see it live. But that's the thing. If she isn't ready for that and hasn't been training, I'd rather not see just for the spectacle of it and have... Becky Lynch get injured. Well, can I... Go ahead. I don't want to see an accident just because, oh, let's just put them in together, and then a shoot happens, and we see an injury. So, in that case, uh, also speaking about SummerSlam and speaking of you being there live, uh, you know, they did already announce that it's not going to happen, the tag team match that everyone feared of uh, Jinder Mahal and the great Kali versus Orton and Cena. Because according to sources, Kali is not even booked on any upcoming shows for SmackDown, whether it's a house show or television taping. So I feel like the Kali appearance was a one-time gig. Mm, I don't know. That's what I've been hearing as well. What I also heard that it may be Randy versus the great Kali at SummerSlam. Because Randy, a video just got uploaded today on WWE's YouTube. Randy Orton versus the Great Collar. So I think WWE kind of jumped the ball and should have waited till SmackDown tomorrow. Because speculation may be now, it might John Cena versus Shinsuke Nakamura versus Jinder Mahal at SummerSlam for the WWE Championship. While the great Kali takes on Randy Orton and AJ Styles, which we all wanted to be against Shinsuke, might be facing a returning Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, well, mind I you, would not I, be, I would not be sad with that card because those are three big matches right there. Well, personally, I'm going to watch SummerSlam nonetheless. I'm not going to bash the card. As a matter of fact, SummerSlam has always impressed. Even in the, in the one cards that you're saying, like, uh, was never the best. Like, some cards, people would say, oh, that looks weak. Like, even the, um, the famous SummerSlam of the 
match made in heaven and the match made in hell. The even that SummerSlam card looked weak to a lot of fans, but it still ended up being one of the best SummerSlams I've ever seen. So I would say 05 was was a okay card, but still was that was a weak card with the build. But this card, even now, just with speculating matches, it might be an awesome SummerSlam. Though I'm a little favored toward this one because I'm going to beat it. So it's like, eh, let's see what happens. I'm actually happy to see how WWE is working their pay-per-views now, right? Why do you say that? Hello, Ray. Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. Sorry. Not sure what's happening over there. Okay. So, Ray, do you remember the In Your House pay-per-views? Yeah. They weren't the best, but they were good pay-per-views. Being at these pay-per-views now uh, being considered, like the Hell in the Cell, the Elimination Chamber, the... uh, Bad Blood or Great Balls of Fire or whatever. Those are, are new in-your-house pay-per-views. And now we're treated to the big ones like the uh, Royal Rumble, Survivor Series. Uh, and those are extended to four hours each. So I feel like they're working their pay-per-views a lot better in my opinion. So the big four are always have always been those, but I get it. These these smaller pay-per-views could be considered are in your house. The only difference I see is that usually the in your house were still like broad and were still big pay-per-views. With these, it's like it can be a hit or miss. Like last year, Hell in a Cell was a Raw pay-per-view. It's now announced in your house this year will be a SmackDown pay-per-view. And it's like they're working, trying to do the storyline of, oh, they're against each other. But at the end of the day, the product is failing pay-per-view-wise, in my opinion. Well, Uh, to me, well, here's another thing, though, Ray, because when it comes to pay-per-views, I don't know why we're calling it pay-per-views. I want to call it a special event because that now everything. They're not network specials. uh, Well, yeah, network (laughs) specials. Thank you. Uh, You know, on top of that, I even was reading a couple times uh, this week that Raw and SmackDown, that Triple H said in a conference call that one day in the future he would love to transfer that over to the WWE Network and just air it live on there. But they don't have enough numbers on the network to actually back up a good rating. So I feel like the WWE will kind of lose a lot of money if they ever made that move. Mm. Like, what's your opinion on that? I don't know. It's still, it's weird. That's why even the other day I was on a different program. I'm like, God, it's like the brand split just ruined the organization of all this. And it's like, I don't know. I don't want to sound Marcus saying all this. Like, it's weird. Well, I guess we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully it gets better. I don't know. Well, I'm just saying that Raw and SmackDown probably won't, you know, be a good, at least not now. Maybe later on in two, three, four, five years, maybe that will be a good time to transfer Raw and SmackDown over to to the WWE Network. 
but don't be giving it a year's time either because you just don't have the enough numbers to back up a good rating scale for <laughs> those two markets. If you're already having a hard time on 205 Live, what, what are you expecting out of Raw and SmackDown? Now, what they should be doing... Which is sad because those numbers are canceling a lot of shows now. They've canceled about everything on the network. Yeah, practically. But here, here's the where I'm going at with right now. What they should be doing, and again, this is just coming from a journalist's point of view, what they should be doing is they should be actually be up to date with their on-demand service. Like, if you did not see Raw last week, you should be able to see it as soon as tomorrow. You know, Comcast does that. DirecTV does that. Uh, Hulu does that. Why is the WWE Network still a month behind when it comes to Raw? Mm, That is true. So that's what I'm saying. Like, they should work on a better system to be up-to-date on their on-demand service. But that's what I, I heard that that was the point was to make it, I think it was going to be twelve ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine, and you'll get everything. It was going to be up to date. You were even going to get progress and ICW uh, content on the network. I think they're still working on that, actually. Yep. Hopefully. Like, yeah, yeah because, we need to uh, see the ICW and, and progress stuff because with them working with the UK championship everywhere, we need to see these matches that Pete Dunne is defending on. Especially yep, with this coming show in August in progress here in New York City that, again, I'll be attending. It will be for the WWE UK Championship, Pete Dunne versus CWC star Jack Gallagher. The gentleman versus the bruiserweight. Who, who do you have your money on in, when it comes to that? Uh, this is the thing. If there's a meet and greet, I'll have my money on both because I'm going to need to get some autographs. But, <laughs> uh, hopefully, Pete Dunne still retains because SummerSlam is going to ha- definitely have a, a UK title match. And sorry, Jack, I don't see him holding it for long if he wins it. But can you so, imagine if, Pete Dunne, if Jack Gallagher... Yeah, but Jack Gallagher is also one of the top names from the UK scene. So don't count that guy out. The guy was an MMA fighter. So he could actually put up, he could actually take a punch. And uh, I, I yeah, have to Jeff say. Yeah, but Jeff Gallagher isn't, fit, isn't wrestling in any other promotion. He's one of the guys that, I don't know how they got this to work, that he's wrestling at Progress. But, hey, we'll see what happens. Yeah, time will tell. Time will definitely tell. So, I, I, because I, I, that's a very, very uh, uh, touchy subject of course, when it comes to Jack Gallagher and, of course, uh, Pete Dunne. Now, guys, I do see callers on cue. Uh, I will tell you this much, guys. No disrespect to you, but my boss uh, from the Roman Show Network has declined all call-ins uh, unless you're the guest, uh, which we speak to them on a pers- uh, you know, on a back-to-back uh, – uh, um, wow, I lost my word, my word of thought, but – Basically, uh, we are not allowed to take in any call-ins right now uh, due to some past incidents on this show. So I see a area code 252, and I see an area code from 813. Uh, guys, we have a Facebook fan page. Just go onto Facebook, facebook.com 
backslash Wrestle City Radio, just like the name of the show, Facebook.com backslash Wrestle City Radio. Message the Facebook fan page if you have any questions, comments on anything that we're speaking about, but we are just not allowed to take any call-ins due to past incidents. Uh, so yep. again, area code 252. Uh, uh, I just saw one just got disconnected. I think it was the 813. Uh, if you guys have any questions, comments, go on to Facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio. And of course... We'll um, talk to you there because we don't want to talk to you, Simpleton. <laughs> oh, you hush your mouth. Just <laughs> admit it, George. You don't want to talk to these simpletons. If you want to ask us a question, you message us on Facebook. We don't need to talk to you. You're wasting our time. We talk to the actual talent, like Chase Stevens in a few minutes. Well, speaking about a few minutes, it's going to be now because we're going to reach out to him right now as we speak. So let's go ahead and reach out to the natural Chase Stevens. Okay. Hello, Mr. Stevens. Yes. Hello, Mr. Stevens. This is uh, George and uh, and Ray Ramundo from Russell City Radio. How are you, sir? Good. How are you doing? Good, good, sir. Good, good. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And and first and foremost, I want to say thank you so very much for your time. Oh, well, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure and honor, sir. So basically, I want to start off with this, uh, Mr. Stevens. I want to say ask. Hey, uh, for a lot of fans who've uh, followed you, uh, you know, of course, during your time in, in TNA, and of course, I know you've had WWE tryouts, a lot of people have been wondering, what's going on with Chase Stevens? So what, what have you been up to, man? Man, I'm, I'm out there, you know, like, uh, there's, there's other uh, wrestling out there, the indies are out there, uh, other than WWE and TNA at the moment, um, you know, so I, so I stay active, you know, um, that's still what I do for a living, so I travel you know, three, four times a week, wrestle on the indies and, uh, you know, just make a living like that. Um, I do, I do well enough to survive and keep up and stay in shape and, you know, uh, very less stressful. So I don't, you know, I get to do a lot of things on my own time and, and, uh, set up my own schedule. So everything's just kind of laid back, but, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not, uh, not in the background somewhere uh, along the lines with the other two. So, you know, I'm always in communications with everybody. Oh, that's awesome, man. And mind you, yeah, I, I'm very familiar with your work, like uh, NWA champion. Uh, of course, you've also been in Impact Wrestling, uh, with, being acknowledged by Shane Douglas when you were with the Naturals. Uh, but basically, it, it's, it's a great t- it's time to be a pro wrestler right now, if you don't mind me saying, Mr. Stevens, because now it's almost like uh, wrestling has opened its doors a lot more to the independent scene and and to and, and opening up its doors to athletes like yourself. Uh, so can you tell us, like, you've been in the business for, for close to, like, a little over 20 years, and you've seen this business change. You've seen it evolve. Even the moves have changed. Uh, a lot of the in-ring styles have changed. Can you tell us of, about the difference between when you first started to what it is now? Well, when I first started, I uh, started in 97, so when I first started in wrestling, uh, it was a, it was a big man's world. Um, you know, so, you know, I was a little, I was a young little kid 
and wasn't big enough and got beat up day in and day day out, you know, seven days a week I was on the road. Uh, and you know, you just, you lick your wounds and keep going. Uh, cause you don't get to go home. You're in the, you're in the car with, you know, three other big men and you're the kid and you shut up and listen and go to the show and whoever they have you work in, they, you know, they, they take advantage of you and they beat you up and they hope, they hope that you quit because back then, uh, it was, you know, it was a business and that's how they seen it. They didn't see it as anything other than if this kid gets a job, then one of us has to lose a job. So they didn't want you to survive and make it. So it was a, it was a rough business starting out in 90, you know, 97, 98, 99, like, uh, everybody was hungry and, uh, you know, WCW was shutting down at that point in time. There was a lot of big, big people out there on the scene and big names. And it was, it was rough. You know, those guys were, uh, you know, without jobs for the first time in many years and they were struggling to survive too. So they, they didn't, they, they took the royalties on them. Um, where if you fast forward 2017, it's, uh, you know, now it's, uh, you got, you got a 205 division, you know, you got a bunch of high flyers. Uh, they're getting, uh, noticed fans are starting to follow them and, you know, paying, paying big money to see, uh, see the high flying skills of some of these people where, you know, in 97, they held you down on that. They didn't want you doing things like that. Um, you know, you might, you might've got one high flying, two high, high flying moves in the master. You really didn't, you know, it wasn't a spot fest. You didn't get to go out there and just, you know, balls to the wall, uh, do everything you wanted to do, you know? Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, the, the business has changed a lot. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not quite sure if it's changed so much for better or worse on that level, because, uh, you know, with the high flying moves, you, you take you're you're getting hurt a lot more. <laughs> you're falling down way more times and taking a lot more, um, risks. So I'm not quite sure about things like that, but I do know that the internet and, uh, just, uh, the world in general is, uh, starting to tune in and taking notice to the indie scenes where, you know, they might not have enough money to advertise like a WWE or a TNA does, but you know, they can, they can hit their local places through, you know, websites and emails and, and uh, apps and things like that, that they're getting their uh, local stars, turning their local people into stars. And, uh, it's, you know, it's a, it's a different time in the business today. And, and mind you, yeah, like even to a point that social media was invented for you guys, like, uh, well, not for, for wrestling, but social, like, Pro wrestling has entered the social re- uh, media realm where kind of like you could get to see events on social media through like these live videos or people yeah. get to uh, people get to create uh, their their profiles, you know, with fan pages and so on and so forth. Back in the day when you first started, uh, I believe the only things that we had back then was what uh, American Online and, and MySpace, I think. Yeah, you had AOL and some stuff like that. You didn't, yeah, it was a it was dial-up service back then. Like, uh, you didn't get to watch videos and and uh, yep. you didn't have profiles and things like that. Like, you you had to get out there and bust your ass for to get known. You know, each and every person that you met, you had to make sure you left an everlasting impersonation, you know, of yourself, so so that they would remember you. You know, you, you wanted to sell that eight by ten. You wanted to sell that five by seven or whatever to them so that they had a memory sake of you. So whenever you come back through town, you know, you, 
you built up your fans one at a time. Uh, now, now it's, now you can build up the whole world. You know, you can touch everybody yep. at, the, yep. at the click of a button. You know, it's, it, uh, it does make it uh, easier in a sense. So, yeah, and, and I wanted to bring that up because, like, basically during that time, like you were mentioning, you were a smaller guy compared to those giants. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. They're, during the time that you came in, it was almost like the land of the giants, per se, uh, yep. when it came to yep. professional wrestling. So, like, on top of that, on top of that, Mr. Stevens, if you don't mind me saying, please correct me where I'm wrong, but, you know, uh, you didn't have the social media that we have now to help you uh, keep on going. So, to, to motivate people right now, to, under, to understand that wrestling is, is an ongoing struggle that you'll one day meet triumph, this is like a, a motivational question I want to ask. With all that stuff, okay. I'm pretty sure that doubt came into your head at one time. Uh, how did you overcome that doubt? Oh man, I got doubt all the time, even still. Um, you know, because I because I'm not done yet. Like uh, I still have more to prove in, in wrestling. You know, uh, 20 years in, I still I still got goals and things like that that I need to that I'm pushing for and want to do and and in wrestling. So uh, so doubt, yes. Uh, I guess uh, it had been like the first eight months I was on the road. Uh, you know, I didn't. There was no cell phones or anything like that. I mean, there was, but I, you couldn't. You, they were expensive. You couldn't afford a car phone back then. Uh, so there was no calling home, and yeah, there was no calling home and being like, "I want to come home." You know, send me a plane ticket, get me on a bus. Like, you just jumped in that car, shut your mouth, and got your ass handed to you seven days a week, and and they you didn't get a chance to heal. You know, so my nose was broke at all times. I always had a fat lip, or you know, back hurt and bruises because I, I bruised back then like now I've I've uh overcome all that like your body adapts to things so so I still hurt I still have deep bruising like here and there but it's not uh it's not visible um if I ever get a bruise it's something really bad happened for me to you know get any kind of bruise on me it just they just don't show anymore and that's um but that wasn't that away in 97 97 I had bruises everywhere and I was hurting all the time and and you know, just sitting in the car for hours on end, like, and not getting that time to relax and heal. Um, but, you know, who, who was I to complain at that point in time? I'm 18 years old and I'm in there with, you know, 35 and 40 year old veterans and listen to their stories. And those, those men had been through everything, you know what I mean? So, so it wasn't, um, I couldn't, I couldn't do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Definitely. And, and mind you, you've never been a quitter, Mr. Stevens. Uh, like, again, I followed you since uh, I first got my eyes on you when you teamed up as the Naturals. Uh, and I thought you were phenomenal. And then from there, I kept on being a fan of your work. You're phenomenal when you got to the Indies. And I felt like you just got better and better and better uh, through days go. Like, even uh, veterans to this day will keep on learning, like yourself. So I even want to ask uh, in this sense, because you're a tag team specialist as well when you started uh, with the Naturals and, and, and so on and so, uh, before. But uh, basically, what, what's your opinion on the tag team wrestling of today? Like, because even tag team wrestling is evolving. I think, well, uh, there's, you know, there's, there's still tag teams out there, but I really think it's become more of a lost art uh, today. You know, if, if you look back, uh, you know, 30 years ago, 25, 30 years ago, like uh, the sport had, you know, tons of tag teams and they, they were, they weren't just throwing people together to be a tag team. They were legit tag teams like do or die. Like 
know, they went on the road together, they traveled together, and there was no writing a storyline to break them up because they, you know, they, they were together. They were a tag team. And uh, nowadays, you get tag teams, and they, it's just two guys that they throw together, and then, you know, sometimes they'll go get tights made that actually look alike. You know, but but putting the moves together and things like that, like, that's kind of if – you, if you're choreographing things, it's easier to do. You know, because you got all day to go over and choreograph everything. Those guys back then didn't choreograph anything. They just had it. They got in the ring and they did it. And mm-hmm. then they went bullshit about it afterwards. And, you know, they, they those tag team moves were on the fly. And, you know, they talk about it in the car. Like, hey, I think I could do this, to, you know, tonight or tomorrow night or whatever. And they just get in the ring and do it. You know, there was, the, there was no, uh, you know, hey, I'm going to back you into the ropes and shoot you off and duck this and do that. There was no choreograph. So the art was there at that point in time. And with that, they learned how to um, evolve from that and, you know, duck out of things and duck underneath things and and reverse tag team moves into other things. And it become, you know, because you're working on the road with the same guys, you know, all year long for, you know, five, six, ten years, you're going to get to know those guys. And they're going to get to know how to work with those tag teams all across the country. And that's what that's what ended up happening. It become a, a beautiful art, and to master that, you know, it's it's a really really it's a it's a whole different world than it is to be a singles wrestler. So to master tag team wrestling, the art of tag team wrestling is uh, is a journey in itself uh, because there is so much more to it that is lost out there today. Um, you know, a lot of people don't even know what side to tag on and what side to get out of the ring on, you know, like there's, there's a TV way of doing that. And, you know, just to say something like that to a tag team that is, you know, what we consider veterans today, you know, it's been a tag team five, six years in the business and, you know, probably you've been on TV and done stuff. They would look at you cross-eyed and I, I don't know what side I tag on. I don't know what side to step out of the ring on. Like I never had to, never been asked that question before but every one of those those veterans from back in the day they know they know where that tv camera's at and they know where how to tag and they know how to step out so they don't trip over each other coming in and out it's just uh and that's just one of a million different things so yeah tag team wrestling is uh, it's a beautiful art and when you get two mm-hmm. true professional tag teams in there that have mastered that art it, you get you get a beautiful you know masterpiece and mind you, as a matter of fact, now that you bring up old tag teams, like one of my favorite tag teams of all time that I used to love watching, uh, like while I was growing up, was Demolition, because that tag team Demolition? was made. Yeah, Demolition, because yep. it, like it, when you came, when they came out, whether they were heels or faces, they made you believe. Oh my God, I'm gonna get my butt whooped today. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they looked like men. They they didn't they didn't look like uh you know your average. Uh, neighbor, you know what I mean? They looked like they they were scary guys. You you couldn't help but to look up to them. Be like, man, I bet he's gonna kick his ass. Like, <laughs> you know, and that <laughs> and that's the way wrestling was back then. Like those guys were like when I say larger than life, I mean, those they're tall guys. Like Action Smash, they're both over six foot tall. You know, they're big guys. Like and and they're still doing it today to a, to an extent. I mean, they're not full timers, but I'm on a show with them. Uh, uh, the end of August um, in Murfreesboro, Tennessee with Axe and Smash. So they're still out there. They're still doing, uh, they're still making their rounds, you know, here and there. And, and, you know, they, they learn to wrestle and preserve their body to where, you know, in their later years, they can still make a little bit of money at it 
where I, I don't know where I'm going to be at in 20 years. I don't know. I'll probably be in a wheelchair having to blow through a straw to go straight, you know, uh-huh. <laughs> all Come the stuff I've, I've had to do in this business, you know, jumping <laughs> off steel cages and all this other crap. I mean, I, that was, that was just a, that was just the stuff on pay-per-view I did. There's all kinds of stuff that never even made. There was not even videos of me jumping off statues outside of buildings and oh, all kinds God. of crap back in the day. Oh, I was a maniac when I was a kid. I, was, <laughs> I don't know what I was trying to prove. <laughs> I got paid $10 and thought I was going to climb up on shoulders of statues and do backflips off of them and everything. But, here, but here's the, the thing. I, I have to then say in this case, because if, if one thing I do remember is um, – uh, and you most likely took a glance at it, and when this was all happening, uh, you mentioned art, and you mentioned the the crazy stuff that all wrestlers have to do to get themselves over, and, and or at least entertain, and et cetera, et cetera. But I remember uh, the the big uh, controversy per se that took place between the Ricochet and I believe it was Will Osprey with pro wrestling veteran Vader during that time when they were defending wrestling as an art and. And then Vader saying that it looked like ballerina and or something of that sort. Um, you know, I, I could understand where both parties are coming from because too much of it is too much. And then, of course, wrestling is an art. But I want to ask uh, your opinion on this, being you, being a veteran. Like, uh, I, again, I understand both sides of the story, but I just want to hear your side of it. I, I'm actually the same as you. I'm like, I'm neutral on that because I'm from both – eras of wrestling so i come in you know at the tail end of you know the big guys and the ass kick, ass kickers and then moved on to the smaller guys and the high flyers and just it uh i missed my time frame because you know when i started in wrestling i was like uh, like 185 and doing all these flips and everything and everybody's mad at me all the time but that's what i had to do to get through a match because i wasn't big enough for for these guys so um so, you know, that's where I come up with all these high-flying things until I could gain weight. And that just took – that was a trial and error of years of, you know, eating right and bodybuilding and everything else. You know, and now I'm now I'm 240, and they're like, oh, we've got a 205 spot now, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God. So, um, <laughs> so I get it. I, I get where both sides are coming from. But, um, but you know, Vader, in his mind frame – He's, he thinks realistic, you know, you get in the ring and you hit the ropes and you try to do that and I'll, I'll crush you and you won't get to do the next one. And that's the way that business was back then because it was a business and the business was very violent and mean because you get these, you got what was considered a jobber back then in the ring that really didn't know, but the basics and, you know, he's the hometown guy and this and that and training and trying to make it. And you got him in the ring and they destroyed him. And they legit beat him up. You know, they didn't give him anything. They they didn't pin him with a finishing move. They pinned him with a punch to the face or a clothesline that took his head off because that's what they were trying to do, kill him. And they pinned him. And then you sit in the crowd going, that looks real because it was real. It really did happen. And they really did beat the crap out of that guy. And then whenever two professionals got in there that traveled the road and worked out seven days a week, they, even if they didn't like each other, they still had a respect so they pulled their punches and kicks so the guy could feed his family the next day. So that's where all this all comes from, from business standpoint. You know, that's why you hear all these stories about the old timers, like getting into it. Cause one of them would get stiffed in the ring or, or feel like, uh, you know, he kind of got 
screwed over. And then they get in the back and get in a big fist fight in the locker room because, you know, he was, he was upset that, you know, this guy was trying to, he felt that guy was trying to hurt him. And so he couldn't, you know, go on for the next few months. And if, if you couldn't go on, they got somebody else to fill your spot. And then whenever you healed up, you wasn't guaranteed that you had a spot left anymore. You know, there was no real contracts back then or anything like that. So, it, you know, it was, uh, it was a tough, tough day in business back then. You, you had to be a really tough guy and you had to protect yourself at all times, you know, and that's why everybody really puts over flares being, you know, the guy because he traveled everywhere. And at any point in time, you know, somebody could have hurt him bad in that title. And then what do you do? You know, he's, he's you yeah. know, somebody else is a world champion, you know, like uh, out of nowhere. And that's, uh, and that was the big thing. Like he just knew how to, you know, perform business outside the ring as well as inside the ring. And, and that's why I stayed on him for so, so long. Um, but anyways, uh, back to Ricochet and all, like uh, their stuff, uh, you know, I watched it like, uh, and it, it it was a masterpiece. Like his, I can't say anything about it. I mean, it was, it was like a circus delay type thing, you know, like. Um, uh, as a I matter just, of fact, it's still to this day, it still gets a bunch of views that match. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. Like I, I wouldn't, I try to look at everything the way I was taught and I try to look at it through a true fighting standpoint. Like, uh, because, you know, to know anything about wrestling, this is wrestling. And to know anything about wrestling, you have to, you have to fight. I mean, that's what it is. You, you should have been in a fight sometime in your life to figure out how to wrestle. And so that's where I see things too, because that's the way I was taught. Now, those guys that was very acrobatic of what they did and i mm-hmm. thought it was beautiful i just think it could have been on a different stage other than a, in a wrestling ring you know i think wrestling right now is headed headed towards more entertainment purposes which is fine uh but there is still the fans out there that want to see wrestling and if you go to a high school you know meet amateur style wrestling match you don't see anything like that you know, you see grapples and holds and things like that. And I know it gets a little boring in there, so we add a little bit of entertainment to it. But you still need to know your holds and things and, and what you're doing instead of just flip after flip after flip. But I do agree that that what they put on was well – just uh, just the timing alone was perfect. You know what I mean? So I can't be judgmental on, on their thing because uh, it was good. You yeah. know, everybody out there trying to copy them, I think they're. I think they just need to go do something else with their life, because they already <laughs> did it. Theirs was perfect. Don't try to top it because you can't do it. So. <laughs> and, and that comes from uh, a veteran's mouth. So by, by all means, I'll yeah. take it. <laughs> Listen, I'll take that with a with a, a coffee and to go. Uh, by all means, I, I, I'm not going to say no to you. But uh, Mr. Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, definitely. But Mr. Stevens, I got one last question because Ray Ramundo over here is giving me the eye. I feel like I'm stealing Uh-oh. some of his questions. So basically, Ray, I'll give you the mic in a second. But my last question here, Mr. Stevens, is, you know, we keep on talking back and forth about the land of the giants and the high flyers of today. Like, let's be open and be like, hey, let's give credit where credit is due. Some people have always been remembered as that guy that broke the mold. Like right now, Daniel Bryan has gotten a lot of credit for that, but they have forgotten some, not 
on purpose, but they've forgotten some of the people who broke the mold before Daniel. And, of course, I'm talking about the Macho Man Randy Savage, Ricky Steamboat, um, uh, of course, Chris Candido, uh, Taz, the, the, the list goes on and on uh, as far as these people who broke the mold for people like you and, and for people like the cruiserweights and, and when it came to size. Uh, how did these guys affect you in, in your wrestling career, like the Chris Candidos, the uh, Eddie Guerreros, the list goes on, of course. Each one of them was a perfectionist at their own at their own little thing. They all had, you know, some of them had a little bit more to add to the to their skill than others. Some of them was a little bit more elite, but they all were perfection perfectionists at something. They found something and they that's what they're remembered remembered for. You know, and uh everybody you name named off I feel I think I've met everybody and got a chance to sit down and talk to them and eat with them and things like that over the years. Um and pick their brain. Um, and I learned, I, you know, I, it's not about me telling my stories whenever they're around. It's about listening and learning theirs and listening to every little detail. I learned more. I learned more in wrestling, sitting in a car with veterans talking than I ever learned in the ring. Uh, and that's where all my light bulbs come from of like, man, I can do this. Like, and giving me the confidence to go out there and wrestle and not have to choreograph and not have to be stressed out in the ring of what's next, you know, deer in the headlights. Oh man, I just bumped my head. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, like I don't have that. I have no, I don't have that at all because those guys taught me how not to have that and how to have the confidence to go out there and, and do what we love to do wrestle. And, um, you know, each one of those guys, uh, I got stories on each and every one of them and I take all night telling them. Uh, but uh, the one that, the one that I, you know, I got to uh, stay with the most. And even though I wasn't with him all that long on TV was Candido. He's the one that uh, come into the picture. Uh, and I didn't know he was coming in as our manager or anything like that. Dusty Rhodes was the booker of TNA at the time. And he saw a fit with Candido and us and, you know, I'm not going to second guess Dusty's booking at all. I'd never met Candido at that point in time. And Candido come in and, you know, he didn't try to high classes. He didn't act like he had done more than us. He was like, man, he was just one of the boys. He was the funnest, nicest guy you'd ever be around. Like happy, you know, didn't care about anything. Like just living life like freely. And uh, he never, he never had, you never seen him have a down moment. Like he was, and I'm sure he did, but you never seen it. He always had a smile on his face. He was always happy. He was never like, he didn't, he didn't care about choreographing. He didn't care about, like, hey, where's, what's my spot? Like, where am I at? Am I doing something in this match? Nothing like that. He just went there and worked with us. Like, we worked. We called everything in the ring, and he called everything on the outside. And everything was, like, it was magic. It was, uh, it was a man. The things that he just sitting in the back of him, like, uh, you know, being so amped up after a match going, you know, holy shit, you guys just made me a fan again. Like, I, I forgot what I was even out there doing at one point in time because I was so into it. Like, I, you guys know how to be heels. They know how to be baby faces. It was just magic. And, and uh, you know, he gives you goosebumps, like, for a veteran of that status to sit down. And, and I've had that a few times over the years, you know. Eddie, Eddie Guerrero was one of them. Uh, and Steamboat was another one that really took a liking and uh, picked me out after uh, me and my dad, me and – me and Cassidy at one point in time, me and Andy at another point in time, um, picked us out and, and gave us these long lectures of, 
uh, how, you know, good the match was and how it caught their eye and how just the fans, uh, the way that the, we were roller coaster riding the fans, making them stand up and sit down, stand up and sit down, and making them get involved and not boring them, uh, that made them, that caught their attention. I didn't go to them and say, hey, can you watch my match? Mm-hmm. They just, they, they was like, what is going on out there? And they opened the door and they watched our match. And then afterwards, they critiqued it and explained to us, like, what we did and why we had them and how it made them feel inside and how they don't see that anymore and how it is a lost art. And it just makes you proud. You know, you know you're on the right track and you know you're you're doing something beautiful. So if you don't mind me asking this, Mr. Stevens, uh, sorry, Ray, I got to ask this. He he segued me here, man. Uh, (laughs) So Mr. Stevens, basically uh, in that case, again, you brought up Chris Candido uh, and I was a huge fan of it. No gimmicks needed Chris Candido. Uh, back in black. I, I loved all that stuff. Skip, for Christ's sake, I was a big fan of. Uh, but basically, uh, being Chris Candido, you were managed by one of his bestest friends in the business, in Shane Douglas, uh, when you were in yes. Impact Wrestling. Um, yes. Were there ever times where you would sit down with Shane, like, uh, aside from working outside, of course, in the arena and so forth, were there ever times that you would sit down with Shane and, and be like, oh, I remember Chris for this, or I remember Chris for that? We did it. We, <laughs> we, well, write this one down. I, I, I'm answering this one right now. <laughs> we, uh, we already, we, we had already sit down like, I, like, cause I, I talked to Shane, you know, Shane was with TNA while Chris was there and everything. So, so, you know, we'd sit down and have lunch together every day. Um, with, you know, him and Chris and me and Andy and, you know, vice versa. So we go out and we'd eat afterwards. And so we'd already, had tons of stories to tell at that point in time. So when he passed, um, we, uh, it took it. We didn't get, uh, Shane Douglas right off the bat. Uh, when we first, when Chris had passed, they didn't know what they were going to do. Uh, you know, cause it was, you know, just one of those tragical things that happened. And so they, uh, we ended up with Jimmy Hart for a few months and Jimmy didn't have a contract through TNA at the time. And uh, Jimmy ended up, uh, you know, getting a money offer for a Legends deal with uh, WWE and ended up on WWE TV all while managing us. <laughs> and that kind of blew back on us. Like, uh, we, didn't, we didn't talk to Jimmy outside of wrestling. We just talked to him at the shows. And when he was at the sh- when he, you know, before the shows and things like that, he was always outside trying to get people to come in, you know, because they were in that amusement park of, Universal Studios. So he was always out there trying to appease the fans and, and getting them to come in, like, uh, you know, to watch the show. So we didn't really get too much time with Jimmy like that. And then, uh, and then after Jimmy went to WWE, that's whenever they gave us, you know, Shane. Uh, it was just a good fit. And Shane come in and, and he already knew what he wanted. He had, he had a storyline ready for us and what, where he wanted to go with it and what he wanted to do and how he wanted to do it. Now, as that goes, you can write the storyline, but getting it to go the way you want it to go is like pulling teeth because you got so many people that have their own ideas of things. And then that doesn't mean that that writer, the one that's putting it together, that doesn't mean he's going to have a job in three weeks. So, you know, they switch people in and out all the time and your storyline gets lost in between all that. And I believe that, you know, I don't know the the complete facts of what all happened. Uh, Cause Shane said it on the, on those meetings, we weren't invited. 
uh, whenever he was uh, proposing different uh, ideas. And then what, what idea we went with was the boot camp of, you know, us be, really being down on our luck and him retraining us and rebuilding us and, you know, doing the whole Rocky story uh, is basically how it was panned out to be and how we, you know, we fight our way to the top and then we get screwed. And then, you know, your manager gets mad at you and we end up turning on him and he ends up liking it because we grew up to be men and we formed this faction and that's not how it happened. Uh, you know, uh, Andy had parted ways with TNA uh, a couple months before I did. And that kind of, that kind of killed the storyline too, you know? So, um, so then they had to go a different route with it where I was wrestling Shane uh, with TNA and having matches with him. And then I had, I had a contract dispute at that point in time as well. And we just ended up going our separate ways uh, on all that. Uh, I think Shane ended up going his separate way too at that point in time. Uh, but I still, I still sit down. I, you know, I still talk to Shane anytime I get to be around him. Uh, I mean, we don't, of course we don't talk weekly or anything like that, but you know, every time I see him at a show or if he does call me on the phone, uh, it's, you know, it's not, it's just like I was talking to him yesterday. We don't miss a beat, you know, we just pick up where we left off. So, uh, and that's, that's, it's weird with wrestling, man. Like, uh, you'll end up in the locker room, not seeing anybody in six years and, and they know everything about you and you know everything about them. And you got, you just have to have a heyday of telling stories, you know, like it, you're not, you're not awkward and you don't feel awkward. You just feel like it's your next door neighbor. You've talked, you know, we talk to every day. Uh, I Wrestling's feel like- weird. I feel like sometimes when I hear stories like this, uh, Mr. Stevens, that I feel like pro wrestling is like high school. You hate it sometimes to go to school, but you miss your friends after you graduate. <laughs> and that's the only reason I still do it. Like they're, they're they're all my brothers, they're all my family. So you know, I love wrestling. Don't get me wrong. Like but the politics side of it, it's kind of it's a it's a headache here and there. So that that kind of drowns it out and things like that sometimes. And that's where you get your doubts. But other than that, I mean. In the ring, once that bell rings, like that's that's my that's that's my playing field, and I get to have fun. And then, and even though I'm falling down and you know putting racking up my bump card and hurting afterwards, like I had fun. I really do have fun, whether win, lose, get my you know get a chipped tooth or a black eye. Like it was fun. Like don't ask me why. I'm just <laughs> somehow that become fun in my life. But uh, <laughs> but um. <laughs> And then I get then I get to sit in the back and and you know go out afterwards and sit down and eat with everybody and you know get our families together and tell stories and that's what we do we just it's a good time like uh, so so I, I would love to do it seven days a week it's hard to find seven days a week these days like you know wrestling's evolved but it's evolved to Fridays and Saturdays you know so that kind of kind of kicks the bucket you know you can't it's very hard to find a Wednesday and Thursday anymore and and a Sunday, and if you do, then you got to hang on to that. Don't lose that job. Well, mind you, I want to. Well, I want to let you know there is a Sunday show here that happens like once a month uh, at the knockout room. I'll, I'll send you the info if uh, maybe if yeah, uh, Monday, do. Yeah, maybe they uh, they'll uh, bring you down here and you can work a couple shows. But uh, I know their shows land on Sundays, and it's ran by I believe it's Gangrel and another gentleman named uh, Craig Valentine, I believe. But uh, I'll, I'll well, send you their info. Well, that's all I need. I'll just, I'll just get a hold of Gangrel and we'll we'll get that all set up. Yeah, by all means, he's one of the guys that that uh, works the uh, 
that shows. I, I don't know whether he's the booker or if he's the coordinator. I'm not sure what he does, but I know him and Craig Valentine team up to work on that show. Uh, they do it every, uh, every so often at the knockout room. I believe it's in Sunrise, Florida. So, gotcha. uh, yeah, we've been doing a, I've been doing a vampire, a vampire uh, faction with him uh, last year, year and a half. So yeah, I'll, I'll definitely get with him. All right, perfect. And uh, so, by all means, I'm done trying to steal Ray Ramundo's all his questions. So, uh, Ray, uh, <laughs> the microphone's all yours, man. I'm sorry Ray, for stealing. Ray, you're still Ray. here. <laughs> oh god. Thanks, George. God. Oh god. It's an honor to get to speak with you, Mr. Stevens. To me, this is true. I didn't know. I didn't know if we were gonna have time to get you on here. <laughs> I know it's like time's running down, but okay. I guess let me start with again. It is an honor because to show my age, I am 19, still training in this business. I grew up watching you guys in the Naturals, and especially my trainer that you guys did meet in TNA, the amazing Red. Because I trained here in New York at House of Glory, so I did get to grow up watching you guys, watching that division. And it is true, though. You you, you were around at the wrong time because we would have loved to have you right now in the CWC and even now on the New York indie scene, cruiserweights are what's flashing by. So. Yeah, it is. It is like it's it's a different scene out there. Uh, it's always been a different scene. New York, so that that Northeast area has always got a. It's always had a different scene. It's it's uh it's different than the South, and I'm known as a as a Southern wrestler, even though I do high flying and things like that. You know, at 240. You know, fat my fat ass is still doing stuff. You know, so. Um, <laughs> yes, we got um, big guys over here flying too. So. We have Keith Lee once in a while show up, and he, for a big guy, he flies. So. Oh, God. oh, really? Well, I'm going to have to see uh, this. Yep. <laughs> you have to search that up because Keith Lee is definitely, he's not small, and he does a lot of the stuff. I'm not, I don't really fly anymore. I, I'm more, I fall gracefully. <laughs> so. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, let me, let's start off with my first question I usually ask everyone is, what was your reasoning for getting into the business, Mr. Steven? Uh, man, I, I honestly didn't really pick wrestling. Wrestling kind of chose me. Uh, it was just, I was in the right place, right time. And, uh, I never thought about dreams or anything of being a pro wrestler. Never really watched it all that much, uh, growing up. Um, now I've caught up on it over the years, of course, but, uh, yeah, I was very, uh, very green and new to the business and I didn't know anything. I didn't know, uh, couldn't remember people's names, even though they were stars. I couldn't remember. I definitely couldn't remember names of moves. So there was no calling moves to me in a ring. They expect me to go do something. Like you couldn't choreograph because I didn't know the names of moves to choreograph with you. So, um, mm. so it was, it was very, uh, I just, I ended up meeting Dan Severns at a, at a MMA fight in St. Louis. And he thought I was already a professional wrestler, uh, after, after the fight. And he, found out really quick that I wasn't because I didn't know what he was talking about. And uh, he gave me some phone numbers to call and told me I was born to be a pro wrestler. And I had the look and I had the charisma and that I needed to uh, venture into it because in MMA, you don't get a long career and you only get very few fights that, you know, and better hope that you make some money in it really fast because it goes downhill, you know, and he, he just kind of told me that, I could get paid pretty much the same if I, if I did well and I could do it seven days a week instead of 
once every three or four months, you know. So, uh, so it seemed like a really good business idea. I mean, uh, you know, it took me a couple of days to make the phone call, and I made a phone call, and uh, they ended up uh, asking me if I could be in Evansville, Indiana on a Wednesday, and I said, yeah, I wasn't that far from my house, driving-wise. So I ended up there, and they, you know, they get me in the ring and asked if, uh, pretty much asked if I had a change of clothes. So I thought I was doing something the next day too, you know. I didn't. I was just training. I didn't get to a match or anything like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I got to change clothes because I brought like PE clothes, like training, and I brought regular clothes to wear. So I jumped in the car for like five months and didn't come home for five months. So uh, yeah, so as uh, I was like a homeless man in the car, you know, like uh, forever with no money, no nothing. There was no credit cards back then. Couldn't phone home and tell mom like, come get me. I, I'm kidnapped, you know, nothing like that. So, uh, so yeah, I just hit the road and learned on the road firsthand. Uh, Tracy Smothers uh, trained me in every little way possible and really took me under his wing uh, and didn't have to, you know, it wasn't his, he didn't get paid any extra to do anything like that. He just did it out of the goodness of his heart and, and really took care of me and always has even still this day, you know. Awesome, awesome. So I guess my usual next question would be what match got you into it, but being that you said it's chosen you, what's been that one match you've had that was like, okay, I'm doing the right thing. This is what I want to do. Uh, one ma- a match that I had? Yeah. This is that, be, is that what you're asking? I'm going to change it up for you. Yep. I'm going to change it up for you. What was that one match you had that you're like, okay, this is it. This is, the, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Uh, it was whenever, uh, it was whenever TNA started coming around and I got to sit down with, uh, Jeff and Jerry Jarrett and, and have a full on conversation with them about, about wrestling. And I was so green and nervous and, you know, didn't know what to say and didn't know what to do. And then, um, I ended up uh, getting a job with TNA like three months before they even had their first show. So that's a long three months being a kid going when, when they, when they start, have they advertised yet? Like what's going on? Like, is this really happening? Like me calling every promoter that knew anything about it and talking to them, like, you know, struggling and trying to make it. And then, you know, you got a contract, but no show. So you're like still struggling, but you're like, Oh man, hopefully this goes through. You know, I did sign a contract and hopefully I do get paid for this, you know, and I can make a living at this. So, um, so even though I was, on the road seven days a week and I was making a living, but it's just not a good one. You know, I was, I was getting like probably 40, $50 a show, but you know, you get 40, $50 a show and then you try to sell, you know, merchandise, try to change your merchandise. Every show that you go to, you try to change, put out these ones this time, put out these ones. Yeah. I remember all this stuff too. So there's so many things in it, taking Polaroids with everybody. And so if I make 30, 40 extra dollars on top of that, now I'm at $90 and I'm working seven days a week. So I'm, I'm making more than what a regular job would be paying me. So I wasn't doing too bad, you know, um, at that point in time, but I would rather get paid more. I mean, like everybody. So, um, so whenever TNA sit me down and then whenever we had the first show slew of shows, I was, uh, not that, not that I was making a killing or anything like that, but I could actually say, you know, I'm a, I'm a professional wrestler. Like this is what I, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. So it just, uh, everything really clicked right then. And I wasn't searching for another job and trying to think what I was going to do later on in life at that point in time. It was just, 
balls to the wall, this is what I'm going to do, you know, and, uh, and that's what I did. Awesome. Well, it really does show that you took a risk. You took that risk seeing how you yeah, do things. But, yeah, but I didn't know – yeah, I didn't know that that was coming. Like, it isn't like I knew TNA was starting up. I just happened to be on a show that Jeff and Jerry Jarrett was watching, and they were scouting for talent. It was uh, me and Cassidy Riley. It was uh, James Storm and Chris Harris, AJ Styles, and David Young. And all six of us was on the show, and they were watching. And they, they took every one of us that night. Wow. Well, that's what shows you, though. It's all about yeah. timing. You never know. It's all, it's all about putting yourself out there because I didn't know. It ain't like I showed up because I knew they were going to be there, and I knew they were looking for talent because I didn't know anything about it. I just happened to be on the show, and that's what happened. So, you know, if mm. you have to you have to go, get out there and travel, and you have to try, and you have to put yourself on the best shows you can possibly put yourself on. You can't just stay in your hometown yep. and expect them to come to you, you know. you got to go to them. Of course. Yep. Yep. You always do have to do that, put yourself out there, because a lot of talent nowadays only try to search up, okay, is any promoters going to be here? Are they going to be here? Should I get scouted here? They never want to actually put themselves out there, which is sad exactly. nowadays. The young talent aren't doing that. They don't know how to. They haven't been taught to do that. They know how to do social media, but they don't know how to get the people in the offices to watch them, and that's where, that's where they fail. Those people, that's their job is to, to look for you. You just got to make it, make it where they can find you. Like, you got to bother them. You got to call them. You got to send them, send them your stuff so they got pictures of you. You know, you might have to do it 300 times before you get a response out of them, you know, and I know you feel like you're bothering them, but so, so is everybody else. And they're getting blown up all the time, and they don't have time to watch and read and see. But they, but they go, they get what they can, and they go through what they can. And finally, at one point in time, out of trial and error, they're going to run across. And if you really have it, because they run, they run across a lot of bull crap too. I mean, I've been in, I've been in every one of those offices, and <laughs> the backyard stuff that comes in is ridiculous. And it's hard, and you don't know who's anybody. There, it's just envelopes, or it's emails, and it's just a slew of them that you have to click on. And go, oh my God! So that's why they tell you, you know, that first twenty seconds, you gotta, you gotta make an uh, impression, you know, because they just ain't got time because they've seen every, you know, thing in the world. Like I, you think you've seen it all, you know, just traveling around up in the Northeast or whatever. And I feel like I've seen it all traveling around the country <laughs> or in half the world. But then I, then I see their emails and I go, oh my God, where did these guys come from? Because it, it's really that bad. And those people really somehow believe that they belong in WWE or TNA. I don't know, I don't know why they think they do, but they do. And they send their stuff in over and over and over again. And because of those people, it's hard for them to find the true talent. The actual good workers. In, in yeah. those. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because so, I've seen definitely that, a lot over here in the Northeast working for companies over here. I've seen not even emails anymore. Now everything is through Facebook and it's like, okay, you see a few videos, you see this, you see that. And a lot of times you do get the, the backyarders and they're like, mm-hmm. they're the best, they're the best thing around. And it's like, you kind of get annoyed and you're like, you never get to see the actual good talent. You never see the yeah. diamond in the dust, basically. Yep. Diamond in the rough. Yeah. You never, you never get it. Like, uh, yeah. and there's so, there's so many talented people out there that has, hasn't even got looked at yet that are they're hitting that age where you're like man are they ever going to do anything and you know i I can name quite a few of them i'm sure you even can you know just being 19 you know and just breaking (laughs) in like there's there's they're out there and it's sad that there's all this 
all these jobs and all this all these places to work, you know, I mean, there's not just, there's new Japan pro wrestling too. You know, I mean, there's, there's huge wrestling shows all over the world, not just WWE not just TNA, you know, ring of honor and, and evolve and all these companies, like you just, you really got to just put yourself out there and, and push for it. Um, you know, at least if you ain't got a family or anything like that, like that's, that's where everybody gets their downfall. They, they end up getting married or getting, you know, having kids and then they become homebody and they don't feel like that they should go outside their, you know, their little territory because they want, they need to be home at night and things like that. And I totally understand. Like this business isn't for everybody, you know, and, and I got, I got three kids. I got a, you know, I got 17, I got a 15 and I got a six year old. So I did all this with them. I have custody of my kids. So, and I've had custody forever. So, uh, so there is no excuses. Once you put your mind to it and you want to push and you really want it and push yourself, you just don't take no. You just keep going until it, until it hits. And it was do or die. Like, I'm going to get a job. I'm going to get a job. And if I don't get a job, I don't know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. So I pushed, you know, and, and it happened. And, uh, you know, I'm happy for what I, what I accomplished and what I put myself through. It all paid off. Yeah, definitely, definitely has because, again, like I said, it's an honor to be able to speak with you and get to hear this because being so young in the business, it's something to them hoping all of our listeners right now are listening that if you are getting into business, these are the trials you need to go through. You need to learn about this. You need to be able to get out of your local state because that's why even here in New York, even though New York is seen as one, the big apple, even in wrestling, it's like you have to get out of your local area. That's why I always try, even yeah. if it's New Jersey, PA, getting out of the Northeast, just get out to anywhere. And that's what a lot of the workers need to start doing because staying in your bubble isn't going to work always. I thank you. Kurt Henning always. It's awesome. It's awesome to get Kurt Henning always. Yeah. Kurt Henning always said, you'll never be a superstar in your hometown. You have to leave. You have to get out there. You're just you. Just, I'm just Chase Stevens at home. You know what I mean? I'm just Chase Stevens around this vicinity. But when I'm on the road, I'm Chase Stevens. I'm, I'm the rock star. Like I'm, you know, larger than life. And that's, you have to get out. You have to evolve. You have to make yourself into something. Once you get that taste of it and see that you can be big, you can be larger than life. You can be bigger. All you got to do is make these people believe you got to dress the part. You got to look the part. You got to act the part at all times. I don't, you'll never see me go to a wrestling show in jogging pants and some crappy shirt. Like I'm, I'm me. Like I have custom made jeans that, you know, I got 14 pairs of custom made jeans that way I can switch them out throughout the weeks. And I look like I got a new, you know, something new on every time I go in somewhere. And everybody's just like, man, this guy stands out. But I don't just, I'm not just doing it for the locker room. I'm doing it for whenever I stop at the gas station, whenever I go to the restaurant, whenever I have to go buy something in a mall, like uh, for everybody to go, man, that guy's something. I don't know what he is, but he's something. And then, you know, I don't look like, the average Joe. So they're going to, everybody's like pretty much nowadays, everybody's like, Oh man, he must be a pro wrestler. Cause there's so many, there's so many people out there today. There's so many movie stars, so many TV channels, period. It's hard to get people to go. And I bet that's Chase Stevens right there. I don't expect that. But I do expect them to go, you're a professional wrestler, aren't you? And that makes me proud. I don't want, I don't care if they know my name. It's the fact that I look my part and they ask me if I'm a pro wrestler. And now they're already a fan. Now I've already sold them on something. Now I got to just get them to come to the venue. Mm-hmm. Amazing, amazing. True, that is a lot of days you don't see it there. You don't see that nowadays that you get to see 
okay, that guy looks the part, which gladly you still have. And, again, it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Mr. Stevens, for allowing us to talk with you. George, I'm done here because I don't want to take much time for Mr. Stevens. Thank you again. It's been an honor. Uh, Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And with that, Mr. Stevens, I have to say we have, like, we literally hit the the marker when it comes to time. So, uh, basically, I thank you so very much for sharing these stories, you know, like, uh, like we spoke on social media, and I told you I couldn't wait to hear these stories, and and you blew me away. So, I thank you so very much for sharing this with me. Man, I thank you for having me on here, man. It's it's an honor to be uh, part of this, and uh, hopefully, uh, you know, we get a lot of people listening to you. I'll advertise you and put you out there as, you know, as much as I can. So I, I just thank you for giving me your time and having me on here. No, my pleasure. So let's do some plugs here a little bit for our listeners in case maybe one of them is from your hometown. Who knows? Uh, Mr. Stevens, basically how can people follow you on social media? I know Twitter, uh, Instagram is a thing now, I guess. Uh, Facebook, if you have a fan page. Uh, how can bookers get a hold of you for any kind of booking inquiries? And, of course, where can they catch you next live? Uh, Chase Stevens is easy. Uh, you can just Google Chase Stevens. It'll bring up all my social media pages. Uh, I have Facebook. I have an Instagram. I have Twitter. It's at Naturally Chase on Twitter. Um, and anybody that, needs, that wants to book me or, or set up any kind of uh, interviews or anything like that, it's uh, Chase Stevens 333 at yahoo.com. So uh, I mean I'm I'm out there so it's it's easy to easy to find me anywhere. All you gotta do is just put me in the search engine, uh, Chase Stevens or the Natural Chase Stevens, and it'll pull me right up. Awesome. And again, so very much thank you for everything, Mr. Stevens. I'm a huge fan. This putting my professionalism aside, uh, I'm a huge fan. I support you 100%. I'll send you the information at least on Craig Valentine because. Just in case that Grand Girl is not the booker, I'll send you the info on Craig, and that way maybe you could contact him too for any kind of booking situations. Ah, that's perfect, man. Um, this Friday I'm in Ripley, Tennessee uh, at a community center, and then uh, Saturday I'm in Manchester, Tennessee at another community center. So, uh, um, you know, Friday and Saturday is I'm, I'm somewhere every time now. Like I said, finding a Thursday, finding a Sunday, finding a Wednesday, like – those are hit and misses, so uh, I'm not always uh, hooked up through through those days like I used to be. But, uh, but you know, I, I run into them a few times a year and, and try to get out there as much as possible. Awesome. Well, again, thank you, Mr. Stevens. I hope that you do get booked because that way I meet you and, and I could treat you to a Cuban coffee. <laughs> oh, I would love it, man. I can't wait. I, hopefully I can make it up that way, man. You just, you just give me some information and I'll send them some stuff. All right, we'll do. I'm going to I'm going to do it right when we get off the air. I'll send it to you. Okay, I thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me. Our pleasure, sir. Have a great one. Thank right? you, man. Thank you. Uh-huh. See, all right, see you guys. Bye-bye. See you. Bye-bye. All right, so that was the natural Chase Stevens like my Ray, my head is swollen with the information that he provided to us. <laughs> that was just awesome. That was just wow. I was thinking, do I bring up do I bring up Red? Is he gonna remember Amazing Red at all? And perfect, he knew who I was talking about. He remembered, and it just made him even more humble at that moment. I'm like, oh god. Well, mind you, oh, 
that was a phenomenal interview. I am very, very proud that we had the chance to sit down with Mr. Chase Stevens, learning about Chris Candido, learning about the land of the Giants, even his take on the whole Ricochet, Will Ospreay, and Vader situation. It was a fantastic interview, and uh, I thank him very, very much if he's still listening in. Uh, now, one thing I have to tell you uh, is basically we, got, we cut off a little bit when we were talking about the U.K. division uh, earlier on, um, of course, Ray. And, and one thing you talked about was, of course, uh, his defense against Jack Gallagher. But I will tell you this much. Uh, Pete Dunn is a force to be reckoned with. The reason why I'm saying this is because he just made history by defending that U.K. championship in a fatal four-way. So, oh, and, yeah, he did this weekend. If you're not, if you're not a fan of ICW, you're missing a hell of a pro. A, uh, God, I was about to call him a progress. A hell of a program because they are having shows that are even WWE quality that even WWE superstars were on the show, being Noam Dar and WWE Hall of Famer Kevin Nash, because ICW just had their party over the weekend, and Pete Dunne defended against Wolfgang, Trent Seven, BT Gunn, in that fatal four-way that George, you and me were talking about earlier. It was amazing. Yep, and he came out winning. And uh, as a matter of fact, it made notice all over WWE.com. It made notice all over social media. It made notice everywhere. So Pete Dunne is a force to be reckoned with. He has mentioned that he's keeping the UK title, that he's going to keep on moving up in the ranks, and he's going to continue collecting belts as he goes up uh, all those ranks uh, because everything, according to Pete Dunne, is his. So, uh, what title... I can't wait to meet him. Yeah, I can't wait to meet him next month. What title will be next? Well, next month, he's going to be here in in New York twice. He's going to be here for Battle Club Pro, and he's facing a a champion, well, a former champion. Who knows by that show? Maybe he regains a championship over here. Maybe he collects some belts over here in New York. He can probably come and take our belts, and I'll get to see him more. (laughs) Well, mind you, uh, you you guys just... Well, mind you, you guys just crowned a new BCW heavyweight champion and, uh, well, technically world champion. And so Pete now Dunne is world my- champion. That's a yep. correction. Mike Orlando yep. is your new BCW world heavyweight champion after just in such a short period of winning it on Saturday night and in less than 20 hours. Yes, not even 24, folks. 20 hours became a world champion defending it in Canada, and now Mike Orlando, the green machine. Who knows? Maybe a bruiserweight versus machine. Maybe. a green machine. George, isn't he going to Florida in a, in a little bit? Yeah, he's going to be here. Former, yep. To face yep. a former guest of our show yep. in Alex Chamberlain. Yep, as Alex Chamberlain will be defending the championship at Ronin 14 against this man, uh, against the green machine, in Mike Orlando. Now, would it be great? I'm just saying, wouldn't it be great? And I apologize, it's Ronan 16. I, I'm a little bit behind here. I apologize, folks. But wouldn't it be great if he, Mike Orlando, comes to Florida and wins a W championship, not just BCW heavyweight champion, but now also Ronan heavyweight champion? Hmm. 
Well, George, I just want to tell you this. I know, I know, my champion over here in New York is not going to be easy to beat. So get your boy Alex ready because the Green Machine is going to Florida. <laughs> and that's on August the nineteenth. Again, Ronin sixteen will be presented at the Broward College and South Campus Gymnasium at seventy two hundred Pines Boulevard in Pembroke Pines, Florida three three zero two four. Bell time doors will be opening at six p.m. while bell time will be at seven. 30 p.m. and prior to 7:30 p.m. Uh, bell time, wrestlers will be at the tables selling their shirts, autographs. So you will have a lot of pre-show and meet and greet opportunities as well. So guys, I think we're about done here as far as uh, uh, the show is concerned. We also have—I forgot to mention—few uh, the few autumn brawl 12 uh, autumn brawl two will be of course at the Coral Springs Gymnasium. As well, uh, let me pull up that information for you guys. It will be on August the 12th at 7 p.m. This will be again at the Coral Springs High School, located at the 7201 West Sample Road in Coral Springs, Florida. Again, that's Saturday, August the 12th. Bell time will be at 7 p.m. And you got you get to see WWE legend Marty Janetti, former tag team. Headbangers, and of course, the Pope, Angelo De Niro, with Leah Knox, and of course, Johnny Velvet, the heavyweight champion, defending against Marty Jannetty. So, what a time to be Ooh, in wrestling. Marty Jannetty. Yep. Mm. So, well, guys, George, I guess you guys are going to be stacked over there. Well, like I said, there's going to be so many shows here in New York. August is going to be a month that I'm losing a lot of money. Well, it's going to be worth it because there's going to be so many shows including this one, George, that I have to plug because just announced today a UFC Hall of Famer is going to be there because House of Glory is presenting High Intensity 6 that will feature Brett the Hitman Hart, WWE Hall of Famer, and just announced today UFC Hall of Famer, the American psycho, Stephen Bonaire, House of Glory is where it's going to be in New York City. SummerSlam weekend, August 18th at the, at, oh my God, I almost forgot the name of the venue. Club Amazura, a.k.a. the NYC Arena. If you're in New York or coming to New York for SummerSlam, this is where you need to be. Buy tickets now at HOG.net. Front row is sold out. Second row, I believe, is also, and so is third. Get your tickets while they last because this show is going to sell out. And that's right. how you do a promo, George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you, how you, you sell a show. I, I hate you so much. Well, guys, for you everyone. That's why you uh, pay me. <laughs> I have no choice. For everyone here on Russell City Radio, make sure you like us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio. Uh, again, we do apologize to the people who live called in. It, it's a rule here now. I apologize. Uh, we'll try to one day swerve that for you guys. But uh, for now, we are not allowing any call-ins. But, guys, for anyone that wants to follow us, Facebook.com backslash Russell City Radio will be on next week as well at 7 p.m. Next week, we will have special guest, former OVW women's champion and current V-O-W, women's champion. Maddie Max will be here on the show next week. Uh, and, yep. 
So Maddie Max will be here next week. O- former OVW Women's Champion, current VOW Women's Champion. She will be here next week. So guys, for everyone here on Russell City Radio, we are departing in our plane and we'll be back here live in their city with their permission, of course, next week at 7 p.m. Good night, folks. I don't ask for permission. I just do <laughs> So um, you mentioned Bart Gunn, right? That Pete Dunn defended Bart. the title against Bart, no. Bart Gunn. Th- doesn't BT BT Gunn? But doesn't BT stand for Bart? No, it's BT Gunn, not Bart Gunn. No. Okay, so it ha- so it had to be Billy Gunn. No, it's Bart. No, I was about to call him Bart Gunn. No, BT Gunn, not related. Dude, they came out with the smoking guns and everything, like with those pow, 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 and everything. No, God, no, it's BT Guns. He's uh, a member of the Prestige. It's a totally BT, different dude. But BT stands for, wait, wait a minute. Oh, God, Damn it, produce, uh, producers, why are uh, we still live? Damn it, damn it, damn it. Yeah.